welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down a pretty depressing defeat. Manchester United falling 3-2 to RB Leipzig, needing at least a point to make it through to the knockout stages of the UEFA Champions League. United came out looking like a complete disaster. Down 2-0 inside the first 15 minutes. Angelino scored in the second minute. Haidara in the 13th. United looked better in the second half, but Clivert looked to have wrapped it up with a third goal for Leipzig in the 69th. Bruno and Pogba pulled back goals in the 80th and 82nd, but all a little too late. Carl, I feel pretty empty after that match. After the first two Champions League fixtures, I'm feeling good. I'm thinking, wow. In a group with last year's Champions League finalist, last year's Champions League semifinalist, United are in the driving seat to make it through. This was a hell of a crash. I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. That was uh, a very sobering defeat, especially after the way we started. However, I think United only have themselves to blame. We've shown both the, the good side and the bad side. In the first two games of the Champions League, we were all uh, praising Ole for masterminding two fantastic victories against two very bright coaches. Fast forward, it's uh, it's quite the roller coaster ride where now those those two coaches have masterminded defeats on Ole, and Ole looks like he's under the gun again, right? And I need to be careful not to catch myself spiraling into all the weeds, and we have to look at the big picture here. And the big picture is just that you know what, uh, we weren't good enough. It was in our own hands. And due to some schoolboy defending, we find ourselves back in the Europa League. What did you think of the start that United had? Because that was one of the things we, we focused on at the end of the last episode where we said that United needed to start with intensity. So I think there's a debate to be had with the formation that Ole opted for. He went with a 3 4-1-2 with Aaron Wabnesaka and Luke Shaw seemingly not having a clue how to operate in the back there. It's a, it's a shape they've gone to. I mean, they've had three in the back against PSG. They've had three in the back last season. It's not like this is something that's completely foreign to them. I will absolutely be critical of Ole trusting Luke Shaw to come back after being out for so long to come into this match that was the biggest match of the season. I think that was something that I raised an eyebrow at. But I wasn't too mad at the shape before the match. I know it's easy to criticize after the fact, but I have to acknowledge the fact that when I saw the formation before the match even began, I thought, okay, I think this makes sense because of the way RB Leipzig play. Obviously, the execution was just horrific. And so... They needed to get out of that three in the back, you know, as soon as possible, but not, not clearly didn't do it quickly enough. I'm trying to, uh, th there's two camps. Okay. So the first camp is we we'll, we'll look at just the game itself and you've got off to such a rotten start where they're playing diagonal after diagonal after diagonal, just finding Angelino in all sorts of space. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is playing so narrow at the moment. They're giving him the outside and he's a good cross of the ball. He's getting into very dangerous positions. So, at what point do the players just understand like, hey, we need to switch things up. Yes, you know, we can have all the analytics in the world. We can do all the preparation before. 
But when you're out on the pitch, you need to figure things out for yourself as well. You can't just lay the blame at the coach. I mean, you've got experienced people who have been playing this game for at least 20 years, right? You and me play the game and we both can also read the game and we can make in-game changes, right? It Mm -hmm. just seems today that in the modern game, like players seem to be devoid of being able to do that. And this is where, once again, here's another point for having some leaders on the field. You have those leaders, they can actually pull the strings and get people doing what they're supposed to do. You look in the past, you had the people like Tony Adams, you had John Terry, you had Rio Ferdinand, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Steven Gerrard, I can keep going. These guys know how to get the players on the pitch to do what needs to be done and tighten things up. It's no surprise that you know some of them have gone into management because they probably have the eye for that. But in today's game, okay, one Bissaka, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You're a youngster and you're a little naive. You haven't played this position before. Who's telling him, get out wide? I want you to stay out wide. Don't come inside. It just seemed like there was no communication. And I mean, we could all hear the uh, Red Bull coach just yelling every two seconds with his really annoying voice. But uh, <laughs> like, I, I couldn't hear anything from the United team. This is where you expect uh, Harry Maguire to, to say something. I'm not putting this on Maguire, by the way. But then you look at the two defensive midfielders in front of him, Scott and Matic. This is where you expect them. Okay, fine. You've got two defensive mid- midfielders for a reason. One of them should be telling one Basaka, hey, you go out wide. I'll cover that gap in between you and Lindelof if anybody comes in there. That wasn't done either. Like this is where you expect Matic to take that leadership role because Scott's another young guy, right? So I just felt like that was the most uh, frustrating thing for me was that nobody took it upon themselves to change things up. You could see that after we went 2-0 down around about the 27th, 28th minute, United finally switched to a back four. And they, their formation, I mean, the players were all over the place. I think you had uh, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, and Aaron at the back. And then you had Tellez, Bruno, sorry, Tellez, Matic, and um, McTominay in the middle, right? And then you had Bruno, Rashford, and Greenwood up. And we seemed to tighten things again. We started to get a little bit more control, started to develop some opportunities, if you can call it that. But I just, once again, it just, a lot of naivety there in the way we we went about trying to correct something that wasn't working. Naivety has sort of become a, a theme. I do wonder how much of this has to be chalked up to what's mostly a young team needing to go through these hardening experiences. Think about the NBA playoffs and anytime a young team goes to the playoffs for the first time, you sort of say, and they have that first round exit, they say, okay, they'll be better for this experience. This is something that they needed, that type of thing. For one, Bisaka, uh, Mason Greenwood, some of the other guys, I feel like maybe they needed something like this because we saw the naivety. You saw when Aaron Juan Bisaka is trying to pull a back heel with the team already losing. I mean, you have to understand the situation. An experienced player will never try something like that. And so those type of mistakes, I I felt, you know, there were a couple of times where Mason Greenwood just seemed, again, a little overawed, a little too forceful. This will be a big learning experience for players like them. Honestly, I I liked seeing the disappointment that Greenwood showed when that final whistle was blown. That was nice to see. Yeah, I think he understands, you know, what it means for this club to be in the Champions League and for him personally as well. And so to now know that, that journey was over for him this season 
you hope that something that something like that will spark a fire in them going forward especially things like in the intensity that you saw from leipzig at the start of the match you, the intensity that you saw from united at the start of the match versus the intensity that they showed in the second half those are things where you have to ask questions uh, of yourselves and look within and say where was that fire right from the get-go so based off of what you're saying because like there, there has been a very uh, concerning trend united seem to be going down in a lot of games especially away from home it's happened all the way back from newcastle you got everton you got southampton you got west ham you know what where does the buck stop like when when is it on ole to to get his team prepared from the start and not from 45 minutes on ole absolutely has to shoulder some of the blame here and you look at naivety being a theme we've talked about throwing away a golden opportunity after winning the first two matches to go and lose in istanbul especially considering this is as favorable a situation you can face playing in turkey as you can ever hope for right you you're literally not dealing with with fans and so you're just going there and playing a football match ole himself has said there is no home in a way so to throw away that opportunity is something that he needs to look in the mirror and say this was poor management from my part to put ourselves in this situation i talked about leipzig's home form this season this was always going to be a tough result to get at a tough fixture to get points out of needing one point from two matches perhaps business should have been taken care of against psg where i know you said it was a good loss to see like we we played with psg right we we played at their level we competed we looked very good united didn't take advantage of the chances that they had psg did and they came away with the result that's the type of game where i just feel a more experienced manager is going into that fixture and saying we're going to take care of business here no matter what happens we are coming away with one point we're not here to just play around so if you if you look at big picture now and i'm trying to be positive about this you know what united were never going to win the champions league obviously the the minimum expectation would have been to get into the knockout phases and then you know you take it from there on in and you you, you look for the experience that will be gained now all your focus needs to be on the league and qualifying again for the champions league ole does have a chance now to rotate the squad because i don't think europa is going to be number one priority and and he definitely needs to rotate it you you keep seeing the injuries that keep popping up you know with cavani huge loss today i i think europa has to be a priority cuz you cannot take anything for granted with, with with the top 4 spots right it's wide open you if you end up out of that top 4 and you don't win europa you've dug yourself a bad hole if you're ole then you're thinking about your job yeah if ole doesn't if ole doesn't qualify for the champions league he is out of a job i'm pretty sure about that because as we know at united money talks and the yep. amount of money that we will lose not qualifying for the champions league is significant so i think it's as simple as that so it all depends on uh how ole wants to uh to go about that does he want to put all his eggs in one basket with the premier league or you know does he want to concentrate on the europa and make sure they've got one foot in each door so to speak diversifying his odds <laughs> Yeah, I think he he's got to do some risk management there. I I don't think he can afford to just go all in on the Premier League 
yeah, it's wide open. It looks like anyone can win the title right now. It looks like you can finish first. It looks like you can finish sixth. <laughs> right now, that's what the table looks like. So I would be cognizant of the fact that the Premier League is has no guarantees right now. The Europa League, you compete and you keep putting your best team out there and you try to get the results your way and give yourself maximum chance of being back in the Champions League next year. That, that would be my focus. Um, There's one point I want to make for all those people that, you know, talk about, hey, why are we signing this guy? We should be focusing on youth. Why are we signing Cavani? We should be focusing on Greenwood getting more time. This game is case in point as to why you want to have some experienced players in your team. Yep. When you have these experienced players, you can figure things out on the pitch because these people have been there, done that before, right? So I just want people to understand why uh, experience and leadership is so important. With the youngsters like Juan Bissaka, Mason Greenwood, Scott McTominay, you can't expect them to figure these things out. It's very rare that you find a leader that young, right? It's It, it comes maybe with a, a John Terry or a Steven Gerrard, right? But it doesn't happen every day. I know we've laid into the young guys a bit. The third goal that effectively killed United's hopes, that was some schoolboy defending between both Harry Maguire and David De Gea. Granted, the cross was deflected when it came in. Maybe that's why on one side, David De Gea doesn't come out. And on the other side, Harry Maguire is thinking it's too far from him and he's leaving it for him. But... I think Maguire, his natural instinct should still be, if, if I can get to this ball, I need to clear it out and minimize the danger. From what I saw in the replay, Maguire never, never even calls out De Gea. It was like he just let it roll and then he's just pointing, like just fully expecting David De Gea to be there. To me, that is schoolboy defending. Like either you communicate or you take care of the business yourself. You see, you just explained the situation you did. And on the other end, in the 92nd minute, when Pogba crosses the ball into the box, you see that defender take the risk to try and get, because he knows if he doesn't get to it, the ball's in the back of the net from Harry Maguire, right? Yeah. He took that chance. Guess what? He hit it. It was almost going to be an own goal. He's really lucky his keeper's legs were closed because uh, yeah. that was going in, right? So mm-hmm. I see your point, but that that defender took things into his own hands, right? And that's what you want at the end of the day. And I think that's what you're trying to say. So I completely agree with you. Now, now one question on the tactics and the formation, you know, we talk about Ole. Uh, honestly, if I'm being honest, I think it was very questionable, that starting lineup, but I, I think we've gotten into that enough. Do you think he actually changed his starting lineup at the last minute because of the comments made by none other than Rayola, Pogba's agent? Possibly. Comments like that, you think about the context, the biggest match of the season against Leipzig, and then City after that. Where was the need? Where was the need? Right after he scored a really nice goal, by the way. (laughs) And the other thing I look at is Pogba needs to shoulder the blame here, some of the blame here, because this is not a situation of, oh, Rayola is just going to run his mouth and say whatever he wants. Pogba has no control or no say in the matter. Deschamps has been able to say whatever he wants. Rayola has been able to say whatever he wants. And if at any point it concerned Pogba, if at any point he actually disagreed with what was being said, he would voice it. Instead, no, he just wants to post Instagram videos of him dancing. I think uh, he's more concerned about that. You know what? And to your point, I think actually Ole has has kind of sent him a message because the reporters asked him in the game right after 
uh, about Pogba and Ole uh, directly I'm quoting him he said you'll have to ask Paul if he's happy I'm not going to speak for him Paul's focused on doing his best for the team he's working hard in training now is not the time to discuss ins and outs at the club well it will be in a month though I'm very curious to see because Ole said I'm not going to speak for him I wonder if that's just you know to the point that you're making it he's looks like know. a lot of other people are speaking for him are you going to speak for yourself exactly and and I'm glad Ole's doing this because Ole has stood by him all season and then it seemed like it was finally you know when Pogba made the comment of being in the France camp and saying oh this is like a breath of fresh air that Ole was like okay you know what screw you too i'm doing the best i can uh, to make this a workable situation for you. You had COVID at the start of the season. We dealt with that and we eased you back in. I defended you as much as I could. And then even after that, when you were dealing with an injury, we played through that and we dealt with it. And I backed you the whole way. Now I'm not going to back you anymore because clearly you're going to let all these things come out in the media and not do anything about it. So frankly, I mean, this is the type of situation where we've seen it play out before and i told you this before we started the podcast this performance was for me deja vu of that david beckham performance in the 03 champions league match against real madrid where there was all those dark clouds about beckham's time at united ferguson was obviously done with him leaves him on the bench he comes on looks incredible scores two goals but it's not enough for united to get through and guess what beckham's gone after that i think it's just a question of getting to january recouping whatever whatever you can and i I wouldn't even prioritize the fee at this point i think it would be too toxic a situation to finish the season with him on the team and the sooner he's gone the better yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully, at least if, if there's one thing he can do is maybe just score a couple of goals and get his price up a little bit. But I think probably the uh, the happiest person is Jose Mourinho. He said this how many years ago? And, you know, the club decided to pick the player over the manager. And now it looks like the player nor the manager is going to be at the team. So Ed Woodward, uh, that $89 million which was kind of attached to his name that probably had something to do with him not wanting to part ways that easily. I can't see him going in January, by the way. PSG is the only one that could potentially take him, but you're right. It's, it's slim pickings because Juve, they, they've got too much of a wage bill to pay beginning with Cristiano. Yep. Obviously, we, teams are also dealing with finances post this COVID situation. Yeah, I mean, you can only hope. That that's the biggest problem with these Rayola comments, right? He's he's made the situation that much more toxic. Like he's accelerated things to the point where he's saying, "Hey, this needs to happen in January." It's just going to be a cloud over the. If cloud. I was Ole, this is what I would do. I'd tell the player, "Hey, Paul, do you agree with the comments that were made?" If he says no, okay, go out and say something because I expect you to do that. If you don't want to say anything, you're going to sit on the bench for the rest of the season. I don't care how much you cost, you're sitting on the bench. And then, you know what? We'll see how you play in the Euros and whatever, but you're not playing for United anymore. I would just, I would, and I honestly think 
I think majority of the fans would actually be on board with this. I would take it one step further. If he says, I, I really don't care to do anything about it, I would, just, I would just banish him from the club. I would just say, you don't need to come to training. You don't need to do anything. You can stay home. I think he would gain a lot of respect, actually, for that doing that. I think we also, we've bashed Pogba quite a bit. He was probably, we have to say, he was probably the best player on the pitch. Yeah, he was, he's definitely the Cantona caller for the game. It's kind of kind of funny that uh, it was our, our segue to giving the best player on the field. It's funny how much the difference, how much of a difference desire can make. And you saw him retreating back all the way back when... Leipzig made a run down the left wing. I was shocked when I saw that. <laughs> you saw the commitment when he goes up for the header there on the corner. It was like, yeah, I am going to get to this ball first and there's nothing you can do about it. So these glimpses that you see, they've unfortunately been few and far between. It might be just a little show to all the other clubs who might be interested in saying, hey, what Pogba are we getting? Uh, whether it's in January, whether it's in the summer, whatever it may be, I hope I hope these performances help him get out and help him find a new home. Yeah, uh, I, I think we've dwelled on Pogba long enough. We've talked about Ole. We've talked about the shambles that was the back three. Let's maybe touch upon the front two. Obviously, you know, Marshall's injury, while unfortunate, I don't think is something that really hurt them going into this match just because of the form he's been in, it was apparent just how much United could have used not only the experience of Edinson Cavani, but just his ability to link up play with the midfield, drop deep from time to time and play those short balls, and then get on the end of those crosses as well. You saw Alex Tellez subbed off at halftime, probably recognized the fact that if Tellez doesn't have someone to cross to, his value diminishes pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I, I think Ed, Edinson Cavani was an absolute big miss. Uh, I was watching the way the Red Bull defenders were defending their center backs. Let's not forget, they were missing their best defender, Upa Meccano. You know, he's been linked with Liverpool. He's been linked with United. He wasn't even playing. He was suspended, right? And you could see their center backs were raw. They were making some really... Naive challenges in the corner when players were going nowhere. Do you know how much Edinson would have exploited that? His runs, drawing them out, and then going deep. I think he was a massive miss because Tellas would have had somebody to cross to. And so I think if Cavani was on the pitch, it would have been a different story going up front. I think Mason Greenwood, he tried really hard. He had some nice turns. He had some nice runs. And he just didn't have the... uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the end product when it came to the finish. I would say more when he had to pass it out into the uh, through ball to Rashford. It was always too too much, too much weight on the pass, right? And he's a young guy. This is what's going to help him come along. I, I think if he can get that part of his game going, which is the assist side, uh, he is going to be lethal, right? So I thought Mar- Marcus Rashford was very quiet today. Once again, the, the one thing I will say, the desire was there. He was trying... And maybe trying a little too hard at times where he, I think he skipped past one, two, three, four. You're you're wondering when's the shot coming, but the shot never came, right? And that's why Bruno is so good because as he's skipping past players, his eye is, his his head is up the whole time. And then you just see this pass threaded through, right? Rashford needs to add that to his game as well. 
so I think those are some of the things that we're missing. With Rashford and Greenwood, I completely agree that they had those nice individual runs, but there were just so many opportunities for them to say, hey, we can do serious damage together. And those opportunities to combine for what could have been quality goals, that's what maybe is separating them right now from being a lethal striking duo. I think one example that highlighted it perfectly was after Leipzig got those first two goals, United had a great opportunity where the ball was fed to Greenwood. And if he lays it off quickly enough, Rashford is one-on-one with the keeper. He took the touch, he took another touch, and he lined up the shot. He opted for placement instead of power. You know, you expect whichever choice he makes, you expect Greenwood with the finishing that he's shown last year to hit it better than that. But just little things like that, where they're able to see opportunities for each other, is something that could have made a big difference in this match. One person who didn't make any difference whatsoever was Donny van der Beek. (laughs) I was so frustrated. He came on the pitch and he absolutely added nothing to the game. He was playing too far up the pitch. I don't think he got himself involved at all. The high press from Red Bull prevented Scott and Matic from passing forward quickly enough. They already have a problem as it is when it comes to a forward pass. And I thought Donny wasn't making it any easier because I saw him. He kept playing in this advanced position on the left. And I, I was wondering when he was going to figure it out because even Bruno, I think, had a go at him where he's like, hey, I need you to come to me. I need you to show so I can give you the ball. And Donny is all about uh, those those nice little tight corners. But this wasn't one of those games for those tight corners. Watching him in this match, you could see almost, I wouldn't call it a preference, but how his playing style is just more suited to playing behind Bruno than alongside him or in front of Actually, in front of him might not be such a bad idea (laughs) because you're almost forcing him to then just be that much more attack-minded. And I feel like the number of times he just wants to play those cute one-twos, that one-touch passing all the time where... There are clear opportunities to be more direct. I think that's something that really hurt them uh, and made him so ineffectual in this match. But if he's playing deeper, then I think that's when it's like, oh, my job is to help tee up Bruno and then Bruno will take care of the rest. And I think that's when he's more effective. But now thinking out loud, I almost feel like if Cavani is injured and Marshall's poor form continues, I've never been a fan of Rashford up top as the lone striker so there might even be an opportunity where you put van de beek up front as a false nine and now greenwood and rashford playing off him and bruno yeah the question the question becomes can can donny actually hold the ball up with his back to goal though he's a pretty small guy right it's an interesting thought i think it's a good good to experiment when you're maybe playing against some lesser opposition where it might not cost you Please don't do this against City. Oh, God, please, yeah. How badly do they need a result against City this weekend? You know, the funny thing is, in both if you're looking in the long term, right, you looked at the Leipzig fixture at the end of the season. Before United had played those first two matches, you say, yeah, United lose to Leipzig away from home. Yeah, of course, no surprise there. They've been incredible at home this season. United lose to City. 
yeah, sure, of course that's going to happen. United are nowhere near City right now. But the context of how things have played out, all of a sudden now, this could look like a terrible, terrible week for Solskjaer. Yeah, what did we say? United is always two games away from a crisis, right? Or one game away from that now. <laughs> yep, yep. One step forward, one step back, two steps forward, two steps back. That's That's been the United way <laughs> since Ferguson left. Well, we have to hand out a, a couple more awards before we can focus on on the City game. Uh, who is your uh, long stop, long shot? I think Sabitzer is probably the best candidate. Angelino obviously caused a lot of problems on United's right side. But Sabitzer, this is something we talked about before we started recording the way he was able to man mark Bruno throughout and just nip United's forward moves in the bud. I thought he played a really smart game, a really experienced game. Uh, it, it was a big game performance from a midfielder like him, just playing his role to perfection, understanding exactly what he needed to give the team. Uh, I, I think he was probably someone who impressed me the most. What about you? No disagreements on that one. I think he's basically set out a blueprint on how to beat Manchester United. If you have a player capable of man-marking someone that well, you have a very good chance of beating Manchester United. Uh, I'm pretty sure Pep Guardiola was watching that game very closely. He's got someone named Rodri who can do the exact same job. It'll be interesting to see if they do follow that or not. But uh, no no disagreements there. In terms of the uh, the Beckham boot, there are a variety of candidates for that one. So I'm curious to know how you have narrowed this down. Vivek. Line them up. Line them up. You got Luke Shaw. You got Aaron Bissaka. I mean, we criticized Harry Maguire and David De Gea for their miscommunication on that third goal. Let's not forget that Victor Lindelof was the one who gave the ball away. All, all You could say that all five in the back had huge roles to play in United's exit here. Yeah, we talked about Rashford just being completely off it. He was really poor. That last touch, my God. Like when you've got that final attack, to not have the sense to just, hey, I'm just going to bring it out here. We cannot let the ball go out. Yeah. Oh, man. So many candidates. I'm going to give it to Aaron Wan-Bissaka just because the, the start right off the top, that's what set the tone for everything that followed. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about this. Uh, for me, I, was, I narrowed it down to Juan Bissaka, Luke Shaw, and I was actually going to add uh, Donny van der Beek in that category. The The reason I wasn't going to give it to Shaw, even though I really, really wanted to, is just I think the managers put him in a hard spot. He hasn't played for a really long time, and he wasn't playing his natural position. So you're really, you know, you're setting himself up for failure. So that's the only reason why I, I'm not giving it to him. Van der Beek, I mean, he came on and did absolutely nothing. But once again, we talk about the start to games. And Juan Bissaka did not show that intensity that it was needed. And okay, fine, you make one mistake. We expect some sort of rectification that never came. And the fact that he was replaced by Fosu Mensa, who I, I didn't even know he was still at the club, uh, speaks volumes. So yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's Juan Bissaka for me as well. I think with that, we can move on to the Man City match. What's your starting lineup? <laughs> you got to go with the tried and tested now. 4-2-3-1 for sure. I think you have to trust Aaron Wan-Bissaka because his matchup against Raheem Sterling 
he has been so good matched up against him that you have to trust him. I would stick with Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire in the back. And I would go with Luke Shaw in the back over Alex Tellers. Why? I just feel... I, I'm I'm at least happy that Luke Shaw showed some leadership qualities in this match. It, his positioning was poor, and you can bet Pep will be targeting that. But when Juan Visaka is, is trying that back heel, when other situations are happening, he was talking. He was pushing his teammates. I think that, for me, is something that I would encourage and I would push forward. The other thing I look at is... Tellez might be just a bit too adventurous. When I think of who can be taken more advantage of, when I look at Tellez, some of the giveaways that he had in this match, and just his adventurous nature, I think that's something Pep will look to take advantage more than Aluk Shah. So that's why I would go with him. McTominay and Fred, that's a no-brainer when you look at the big matches that United have played, so that's easy. The three, well, you've got Bruno, you've got Rashford, and I'm going to go a bit out of the box here if Cavani is still injured. I know Martial has had his moments against Man City, but right now I just don't trust his form. So I'm going to put Greenwood up top as the striker, and I would either go with Donny van de Beek or I would go with Juan Mata on that right side. As you were mentioning the United eleven, I was trying to think of the City eleven, and you know what, I, th- I can see Riyad Mahrez starting. And he's going to start on the city right-hand side. So he's going up against Luke Shaw or Alex Tellez, right? And we all know how he can spin circles around you on his day. So Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, Scott McTominay and, and Fred have got to have eyes at the back of their head to be able to mark that guy. Um, and at the back, City at the back, they've got Kyle Walker on one side. Uh, who usually plays left back? Is Mendy back in, in favor now? Mendy did play the last match. He scored too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, okay. So, you know what? I would. I think if, if Greenwood played against Mendy, I think uh, Greenwood could do some damage. So, I would agree with actually playing, playing Greenwood. So, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Tough, tough defeat to swallow. But a reminder, we are on Twitter at RedCouchBanks. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match and let your friends who might be interested know about it too. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.